Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and giving excerpts about the exception. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it everyone? Welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Happy New Year, guys. I hope you had an amazing, amazing break and ready to tackle 2021. Let's do some cool stuff together. To start off the year, my first guest today is Shelly Walters, top SA sales keynote speaker and the founder of the Sales Council in South Africa. She's passionate about enabling better sales performance for sales leaders, sales professionals and business owners. The topic up for discussion is the art of online selling in a virtual world. How can salespeople be more effective in the way they sell the do's and the don'ts? Welcome to the podcast, Shelley. Thank you. It's good to finally be here. Yeah, a long time coming. You know what? I'm really excited about our conversation today. You have launched Africa's first remote selling school. Tell us about your journey. Wow, it's been um, an incredibly exciting journey. Um, I mentioned that we'd actually started the remote selling journey prior to COVID because we uh, had customers in an international market and of course there was that requirement. So at the beginning of this pandemic, as it hit South Africa, the first thing we did was build out the remote selling school and we delivered that to clients internationally and then um, we had a big client in South Africa come to us and say, we'd like to commission you to actually repurpose that content to be part of our learning management system and make it available for all of our employees. And as part of that, we were able to be accredited by the Financial Planners Institute of Southern Africa. So we're excited to say that it is uh, a first, certainly for South Africa and a first on the continent, I believe. And what did you do before this? I mean, I, I understand you were in radio. Yes, so I have been in sales my whole life. My very first uh, uh, job was in sales in 1999, that's some time ago. And back in those days, everybody smoked, believe it or not, at their desks. And uh, we were still selling thermal fax rolls for, for fax machines. And there are some people listening to this today who are going to be like, what, what is what that? What is a fax machine? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of this notion before. Um, and then over time went into radio presenting. So I co-presented a breakfast show in Port Elizabeth for a couple of years. Yeah. No, you've got a strong radio voice. I can hear that. It's better than being told I have a face for radio, although. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to argue you've got a face for TV. <laughs> oh, thanks, Audrey. In the, in the age of uh, video communication, that, that's handy. Uh, definitely. What was your funniest moment that you picked up as a radio presenter that you can share with our listeners today? Oh, wow. <laughs> there were a few. There were a few. Look, I used to read the news at 6 o'clock in the morning, which meant, uh, you know, getting up at 4.30. And so at 6 o'clock in the morning, you may not be your sharpest. I remember one particular occasion I was reading the news. And instead of saying Ronnie Mamwepa, I said Ronnie Mampupa. <laughs> and you know when you're not supposed to laugh, of course, yeah. you can't help yourself. So uh, that's the one that stands out for me. No, fantastic. I'm sure it's been uh, fun moving from radio into sales. Are you finding it completely different? How have you embraced the change? Well, I find that my background in radio has really given me a 
fantastic foundation for this move to remote selling because I understand how to interact with people that I can't see visually and I understand how to engage with them visually because of the experience that I have as a trainer, facilitator and keynote speaker. But I always say, Audrey, that at the core of all of this are human beings and human beings have not changed. The psychology of human beings has not changed. It's simply the means and the channel um, you know, that, that is evolving, if I could put it to you that way. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, in the last week, I've had, we had a meeting. I had a meeting with somebody in Mexico, Poland, two meetings uh, in the UK, and, uh, and one in Edenvale. <laughs> and I didn't have to leave home. Exactly. So you travel the world from the, the space of your home. Absolutely. And I'm able to interact and engage with people, which means that I, I can, it, it's, it's increased my influence and my ability to add value to customers because we're not bound by the same uh, factors, you know, around geography, travel, cost, timing requirements, all of those kind of barriers have been eliminated. I mean, I would add security too. Well, that was interesting. When we did the, the remote selling school, the one that was accredited that I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, we ran a pilot for um, one of the big players in the financial services sector. And in the pilot, some feedback that came through from participants, which was entirely unexpected, was this, I feel like the organization has prioritized my safety because I don't want to get in my car and drive across the city to go and see a customer in their home, which is often the case for financial service products, that I've never met. Not to mention the risk of actually being on the road. It's that exposing myself to somebody else's personal environment or office environment, and I don't need to do that anymore. I think importantly, and we're going to get into the topic now, it's, is how has COVID affected this new virtual sales environment? What key trends have you been picking up this year? I know you've been um, looking at different studies from McKenzie and all of that. Take us through some of these findings. The, the first and most important point I would like to make here is the idea that this was brought on by COVID is a flawed uh, um, uh, assumption because the trends were showing this move to greater digitization of the entire sales process before COVID. Now, what COVID has done is it's firmly entrenched this trend and, of course, it has massively accelerated the trend. So the first thing I, I want to say is we need to understand that this is that this was this preceded COVID, and why that's important is because if we don't, we th we we are going to fall into the trap of thinking this is going to blow over, and COVID will blow over, right? Every storm runs out of rain. This too shall pass, mm. but there will be changes that we will feel in business, uh, in our own professions, and of course for private individuals and communities. So the one thing that we need to understand is that because people have had time to practice this behavior. Essentially, we've been forced into the situation. That means that the buyer dynamics have shifted faster than anyone could have predicted. Now, the second point I wanna make here, and this is really important. If there is a failing in my profession, I believe it has been a reluctance for us to truly respect and honor what buyers are telling us. I have a, a blog series called The Story of Selling where I go into basically where sales started in farming, right? and how it evolved and the, the origin of terms like snake oil salesmen and all of these things, where do, they, where do they all come from? And what we find is that the major shifts and evolutions in how we sell came from buyer pressure. Now with that in mind, 
The McKinsey study that I shared with you said that 70 to 80% of business-to-business -business buyers prefer an online human-to-human -human interaction. And they're comfortable, very comfortable with deals up to 50,000 US dollars and more, but there are other factors as, the, as the, the deal value goes up. So the caution that I have for anybody listening to this is if you fall into the category of clients that are saying, well, we're going back to the office, or as I experienced with financial services, uh, we're an essential service and we're going back to the office, so we will do things this way. Well, your customers may not be in the same frame of mind. In fact, the data shows that they're not, that they're very comfortable with this, that they prefer this, and that they may, in fact, resent you trying to put pressure on them to engage differently. And that failure to embrace that could, could be very costly. Then another trend that I've seen is that organizations need to prepare for, and this is, this is as terrifying as it sounds, the everywhere buyer. Work hours and work days have morphed because we're working across time zones, because we now get to dictate how we want to actually run our businesses or engage with people. People may be working on a, Friday, uh, on a, on a Sunday afternoon, but they may not be working on a Friday. And buyers are um, looking for that information everywhere, all the time. So the entire sales engagement has to prepare for that. You could be supplying cable or, uh, yeah, let's talk about cable, internet, right? So you supply cable and somebody's working on a tender. They may be working on that tender at 5 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. And if they can't find pricing from your organization, but your competitor does supply pricing, then you may miss a very significant opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, those are just some of the trends that I, that I see. So in essence, um, Shelley, does this mean the death of the traditional sales trip? No. <laughs> <laughs> Far from it. Far from it. In fact, I love, you know, I sometimes hear, um, uh, because I'm in the, I, I do keynotes and sales kickoffs and things, and I, I listen to top speakers in the industry. Um, and when I hear people say, oh, this is the death of sales, I just smile. You know, Audrey, when I ask people what is the oldest profession in the world, they think of something else. Okay, but think about it. Even the oldest profession in the world relies on the ability to sell. Did you know that one of the, the, the first contract, sales contracts is to document the transfer of land? So real estate is one of the oldest um, sectors in which sales became a profession. Sales has been a part of business, commerce, and society literally since the inception. Um, of the world, right? And have a look around. In the time of COVID, we had a big mirror held up to us about the value of selling. Sales is an essential economic service. And when we engage ethically and honorably with sales as an activity, it is an entirely noble activity. Because look what happens when businesses don't make sales. People are retrenched, communities are affected, entire sectors are affected. So committing ourselves to selling is, uh, is as you, I'm sure you can tell, I'm on my soapbox here. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really passionate about this. Mm. So first, the answer is no. But it does mean that there is going to be a drastic change in the role of sellers. So the role of sales and how we engage with customers has evolved from the dawn of time. And this is a pivotal moment in our evolutionary history, if I could put it to you that way, for the, for the profession. Sometimes people say to me, oh, well, will technology replace salespeople? No. But instead of being concerned about being replaced by technology, what we should be aware of 
is being unseated by a competitor who is embracing and leveraging technology. Because there is a, there is a, there's a big area between sales is dead and, you know, sales is an untouchable profession. In between that is, well, the requirement for us to evolve, what does that mean? And am I willing to apply myself to learning what I need to learn so that I can stay up to date? So basically, what advice would you give to businesses that need to sell online? I've got some tactical tips, which, which we can share a bit later. But before we get into tactics, which is where we all want to go, everybody wants to know, oh, just tell me how to, yes, you know, what do I need just tell to me do. what I need to do. Yeah. But at the root of that is that we need to shift our mindset. So for the sales leaders or business owners or CEOs or business unit heads that are listening, I really want to appeal to you to embrace a mindset shift from being leaders of selling to embracing a digital first go-to-market strategy. So, of course, exposing yourself to channels like this where you're learning about digital is a key activity for you as a leader in the organization. Look outside of your territory and look outside of your sector to see what other industries are doing. Because we're going to need to rapidly innovate our digital selling models and we're going to have to leverage the analytics and the advantages that analytics bring us. We need to leverage the tools. And going back to what I said about this, this customer, this everywhere customer, everywhere all the time customer, you need to think about the entire sales process through the website, through the chat, through business WhatsApp, through uh, engagements uh, in remote selling, face-to-face -face video calls. You've got to take that whole uh, ecosystem into account. And for that, it's got to be a mindset shift for leadership. And that's, um, that's going to be a steep learning curve. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you are saying that they need to shift from leaders of selling because selling is like an art form, you know, in the traditional sense. It's about that relationship the face-to-face -face engagement, the trust over time, you know, uh, the rapport that you're going to have with that person. To uh, go to market digital first approach requires, like you said, a different mind mindset, mind shift kind of thing. So I think what I'd like to touch on is what is that difference between that face-to-face -face from a traditional approach to now moving towards digital and selling online? Take us through that shift in terms of that process that needs to happen. Great question. Um, let's, let, can I answer that from two aspects? Sure. Organization and then as, as individuals. So for the organizations, the, the biggest shift is considering the commercial channels and how you can digitize those channels, but in doing so, integrate your sales force. So in the past, and you probably see where I'm going with this, Audrey, in the past, marketing brought in the leads and marketing was kind of the, ta the champion of digital lead generation and sales was like, okay, well, you, you give us those leads and we'll run with it from here. One of the biggest differences we're seeing is how sales and marketing are required to work more closely together and to truly leverage each other's strengths in in the designing of this new ecosystem. Now, to the sales leaders who are listening, they're going to, uh, 
yeah, you may not enjoy this, but the truth is, m- my observation is that actually the marketing departments here are um, often, not always, not exclusively, but, but frequently outperforming the sales departments in the move to digital ready, specifically as it relates to um, remote selling. So that's the big shift is we've got to start listening to marketing and vice versa and working far more closely together. And then we've got to build the ecosystems of support for change enablement because the the buyer journey is changed and it's no longer simply the salesperson telling. There are other enablement tools, educational videos, um, return on investment calculators and other um, uh, enablement tools, if I could put you that way, that we can provide a customer to help them navigate that change. That is not simply just the, the traditional face-to-face conversation. So that's on the organizational level. For the individual um, sales professionals, I mean, the biggest change we're seeing is that customers have lower attention spans. Now, very important to consider in a complex buying environment. So if you, if you represent an organization that sells a complex solution, that's normally a high-value um, ticket item. There are more people involved, and the decision takes longer. According to Gartner, you can have anywhere between six and ten decision makers involved in a complex buying decision. Each of those decision makers can be busy with four to five complex buying decisions at any given point. So understandably, customers have a lower attention span. And if we understand that, we can work with that. So instead of having one hour meetings every month, potentially you have three 20-minute meetings. Shorter meetings, more frequent engagement, help the customer to pay attention. We can't read body language, tonality, and the cues are far more subtle and difficult to, to pick up on. So we need to ensure that we have frequent, appropriate engagement with the stakeholders who are sponsors or our coach inside of that customer, so they can tell us uh, what we can't see. And if you are involved in a very high stakes pitch or presentation, I always advise inviting a second from your own organization to support you in that meeting and let them be a second um, pair of eyes to help you to identify what you've missed. Um, A big problem is um, customers can just disengage from meeting. They say, oh, the internet's dropped out, but I mean, we've had reliable internet for a while and strangely, you know, a lot of people are just, internet's just dropping, who knew, right? Um, but a bigger challenge is that sometimes we're finding that if you are not delivering the value in the meeting, the second meeting, that decision maker sends a junior person. And of course, that's a big stumbling block for you. And then finally, customers are not necessarily as open in an online meeting to disclosing you know, their skepticism, their internal objections, their concerns. And so you have to work harder to, to get that information from your customers. I'm just curious, I had this personal experience of somebody trying to sell me something and the first slide that they had is how much we need to invest in that product offering, which immediately got my defense up and I said, sorry, I cannot continue with this conversation unless you show me what value you're going to drive for my business and then talk to me about investment because it was but you have to invest this for you to get that. And I just immediately as a client that was so off-putting. And what would be your advice to, because I see many salespeople start with that as an opening conversation starter, which is for me is a no-no. 
Um, what's your advice to something like that? So firstly, that would, I mean, that was just not a good idea before COVID either. You know, whether you did that face-to-face or whether you did that in a remote meeting, it just wouldn't be, wouldn't be good sales practice. You want to lead with a value. Um, I don't like the word hook, but essentially it, it does illustrate the point. You need to, you need to gain the customer's attention. How, if you go into a bookstore, uh, I don't know what your guilty pleasure is, Audrey, or what kind of books uh, you like reading. I like period dramas, and I love business books. So if you go into a big bookstore, uh, there will be two departments where you'll find me. I will walk right past the sporting section. I'm not interested. But my husband, I mean, you could literally park a bed for him in the sporting section, and he would stay there, Right. So I use this as an analogy because what interests us is what draws us. So when you are presenting your pitch you, or your opening conversation piece, it needs to be something that is going to draw the person or the persons that are attending that meeting. And it's always good practice to demonstrate. So when I say demonstrate, I mean you actually show a case study, a return on investment, a testimonial, something you demonstrate the value rather than simply telling a customer, this is what I can do if you're willing to part with a big sum of, of money. So putting that, that big picture value proposition uh, up front and what you're going to get is how you're going to create the urgency. Absolutely, I agree. So I, I just want to go more into what do you think are some of the challenging part of selling online because it can't be easy now to take a traditional salesperson and then move them into this online world and say, you know, go forth and sell. Yeah, absolutely. So again, taking this from the holistic perspective um, at an organizational level, one of the biggest challenges we're seeing now is what worked five years ago is not as effective. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It has lost its potency because where you had a breakaway differentiation five years ago, the rest of the market has caught up. And a failure to acknowledge that means you simply keep doing something that is no longer relevant or fresh. So as an example, you know, high quality sales collateral tools, explainer videos, uh, case studies, white papers, and all of those things, the whole quality of what is available out there now has, has risen. So what was a differentiator is no longer necessarily a differentiator anymore. And then the additional really challenging part of this online sales engagement process is getting the, not just the FaceTime with the customers, it's getting their mental bandwidth. And I'll go a step further. You also need discretionary effort from your customer. You need your customer to be willing to open up, share information, help you to get access to resources, and a failure to engage um, meaningfully in that online um, interaction means that you don't actually set that up. Shelley, in your view, how ready do you think the market is uh, for the shift? Audrey, I think the buyers are 100% ready. Maybe not 100%, but all the stats, the latest research from Gartner, McKinsey, every leading research body in this sector is reflecting the same feedback, and that is that B2B buyers are ready for this kind of engagement. The sales leaders of individual organizations, however, not quite as ready, but here's an interesting finding from one of the latest Gartner reports where they asked the chief sales officers, sales leaders, sales directors, etc., 
how ready are you now or are you considering moving from a traditional outside or field sales force to a virtual sales force? And in March, 10% said they were. In April, that was 19%. In May, it was 15%. And in June, it was 25%. Of course, we're now in January 2021. And those stats were from last year. Organizations are becoming increasingly ready. And that, of course, means that that first mover advantage is diminishing. Unfortunately, I am still seeing leadership at, uh, in global organizations and heading up national organizations here who are not open to embracing this change. Um, and it, it concerns me. It concerns me because of the disadvantage that it's going to put those organizations and their sales team at. But hopefully they will also begin to acknowledge this, this data uh, and, and it's not changing. Well, I'm seeing a similar t trend if you look at it from a macro perspective that when you start talking about digital transformation, uh, people still have that perception that it's about technology and digitizing their business. But unfortunately, it's around people as well. Is and you spoke about it. You spoke about change management. It's about a different mindset. But then how do you then make it come to life by what processes, what do you actually do differently? And it's actually that time period because, I mean, if you look at it, if we don't start now, um, then you you add a back foot because then you'll have to play catch up somewhere down the line. And this pandemic is not going away in the next few months. It's going to take like a good 12 to 18 months before the market recovers. Mm -hmm. So do you actually want to be equipped and more agile when the time comes and you, you're progressing along swiftly or are you going to be a follower where we, where's your competitors going to have an advantage over you? Absolutely. And what we need to be aware of now is um, in certain sectors, your competitors are no longer uh, uh, geographically bound. Absolutely. So the market is open for the taking. Wide open. I mean, we're doing work in the US, UK, Poland. And... Uh, you know, a failure to acknowledge that means you could unwittingly open yourself up to significant competitors. I think now that, you know, one of the business challenges that I'm finding is that we are, we all are strained and um, put under pressure for growth. Without sales, we can't drive growth. Mm. Without good salespeople who are actually equipped with the right tools, the right mindset, the right process, to enable them to do their jobs properly, um, you do need that combination of looking at that sales funnel holistically, looking at the different channels and what role they play. So this actually becomes a more strategic conversation within organizations. And you just spoke about the individual sales professional, and that's so important. Somebody just passed up a job three weeks ago because it would have meant they would have had to travel from Johannesburg to Pretoria every day. And this organization was not willing to consider any other way. And the, they were looking at their total cost of company and saying, well, it's going to cost me 7,000 rand a month just to go to work. And it's going to take this time away from other things I could be doing. And they actually turned the role down. The ability to, to, um, to run a fully remote, fully operational sales force means that you can get access to higher, uh, you know, better talent at a lower cost. 
because you can offer more flexible working hours. You can there's all sorts of things that you can offer, so you can actually get a a better sales force uh, operating at a higher level with a lower cost. No, but you're right. I mean, look at the time saving on the travel, and you spoke about it initially of all the benefits. But then you also get a highly motivated individual that's prepared to be productive every single day. With a high sense of autonomy because they know that to work from home, I have to prove my results. So now you get discretionary effort. You get people engaging because they want to, uh, because they're they're engaged with the challenge, you know, and engaged with the work. Mm, For sure. Yeah, but uh, so Shirley, what are some of your top tips for remote client engagements going forward? Wow, um, there's so many. We will make a, a download available, I think, after the podcast, where I'll give you some some setup tips around how to host a, a world class meeting, um, and you can share that with your team. But just a couple of top tips: schedule a call planning session for the participants to coordinate their participation in the call ahead of the call. So we call it the call before the call. And we've already said that some meetings don't need to be as long. Some meetings, of course, you can make longer. So when I do a pitch with a client, I book two hours. I may not take the full two hours, but I book the two hours so that I have it. But I also make sure that every participant is un- understands what's going to happen in the pitch, who's attending, why they're attending, what their role is, why we've set aside that, that uh, level of time. And highlight the intent and the purpose of the meeting to the appropriate stakeholders. So I said six to ten decision makers, and they're each involved with four or five complicated buying projects at any given time. Help your customers pay attention by briefing them on what's going to happen and then reminding them of the intent and the purpose and being very clear and sticking to that. So the other one is to share a summarized, very narrow agenda. Be very clear on what's going to be covered and what the outcome is. Prepare and plan your talking points and your plan of action ahead of time. Give yourself little bullet points. Don't script it, but give yourself a little bullet point so that you can stay um, on track. And in deals that are very complicated, high value opportunities, put the effort in and hypothesize with your team. Think through the topics, the goals, think through how you're going to transition from one point of the meeting to another point of the meeting. Consider the potential objections that could come up and even consider the technical challenges you may have. So if you want to demonstrate something to a client, how are you going to do that? In the past, you could potentially share an Excel spreadsheet and look at a screen together. Now you, an Excel spreadsheet may still be the right tool, but maybe it's not going to be the right tool. So think that through. And then include leave behind buyer enablement. So after the call, make sure that you share the appropriate tools and uh, you know case studies, that kind of thing with the customer. Now, I just want to say some here. Do not overwhelm your customers with information. People are drowning in information. Just share what is needed and and particularly what was relevant to that conversation. Don't don't send them 10 PDFs. And then so important ensure that there's agreement and very clear expectations that are verbalized in the meeting and then straight after the meeting make sure you send a clear summary follow-up email. So for the sales professionals who potentially like me have not always been the biggest fans of admin we must understand that the administration that goes around the meeting the sending the expectations the agenda beforehand making sure that everybody knows how to log in and all of that and then the follow-up afterwards clear summary points is vital 
it's vital if we want to gain and hold our customers' attention and really help them through that buying journey. No, that's fantastic. So for the listeners out there who are interested in getting in contact with Sales Council, how do they get hold of you? You can um, email me, Shelley at ShellyWalters.com, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. You can go and have a, a look at uh, the Sales Council, that's T-H-E-S-A-L-E-S, and then Council is C-O-U-N-S-E-L, as in to give advice, sage advice, rather than a committee. And uh, there you can also contact us through the contact page um, or on the download that I have for the hosting. All of our details will be available there too. Oh, thank you so much, Shelley, for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure anytime. Okay, bye-bye. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and to keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.